Welcome everybody to the Two Legitimate Podcast with White and Brian. We're broadcasting live from Dallas, Texas and Seattle, Washington. What's up, Wade? Not much, buddy, man. How are you doing? I'm just worried that you survived and had stomach issues from the crab chips last time. We're not going to get into the details about the stomach issues that came from the expired Russian crab chips because we want to keep this as family friendly as possible, right? No, I want to know the details, Wade. (laughs) How long were you in the bath and your throne? I got to build up the resiliency for these crazy snacks. This snack time thing, I I really think that we should talk about moving back to the drinks thing, and I'll just deal with the early morning drinks as opposed to this craziness of exotic snacks that we seem to be kind of barreled into. I, I, I did get another unique snack so it's i i'm i'm, well, I'm so, already- so first 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 before you go into that the crab chips after we ended our recording did you throw the bag immediately away were you tempted to get another one did you tell your child to to say hey try this crab chip <laughs> I, no i immediately threw it away and i've never seen it since it was like it, it it was one of those where i i banished them from the household <laughs> <laughs> it was like it's like an exorcism of the of the demon crab chips. Okay. The Russian, inspired Russian crab chips. Right, right. Okay, cool, cool. I'm excited. I'm glad you made it through. I'm glad you picked the crab chips, the blue monster crab chips from Russia, Mother Russia. Um, we've got some cool things to talk about on Two Legitimate Podcast today. Uh, we'll get to that. But first, you know, like Wade said, he wants to go back to drinking in the morning. You know, that's what I originally said. I was like, let's get drinks in the morning. And he's like, no, I'm an adult. It's the morning time. I was like, let's do snacks. After one snack episode, he's like, I'm ready to drink again. I don't know if it's me. I don't know if it's the snacks. Probably a little bit of both, right? Probably a little bit of both. No, it's not that I'm saying I want to do the drinks, but it's just like if I have to pick between the 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 the, the craziness of these exotic snacks and and uh, having a having a beverage, I find uh, the beverage thing is just something I could probably deal with a little bit better. Okay, all right. Well, spoken true wisdom right there with Wade. <laughs> Uh, so Wade, our second, uh, our, our, <laughs> our second snack challenge is here. This is where we go out to the local gas station, a local dive, find weird snacks. We're going to try them for you. Do we recommend them or not? Last time we did Russian crab chips and Mr. Beast chocolate peanut butter bar. These nuts. Um, I think we know who won in the end. <laughs> Yeah, well, if it's a contest, you won for sure. <laughs> I think you won. Uh, so Wade, second second snack. Let's do it. What did what did you get? Well, I, I went with an exotic snack again, and I have. Um, they're from Thailand, okay. And again, I, the package here, it. All I know is it's spicy, sweet sausage flavor. It's oh, my God. There's a giant hot dog on it. <laughs> yeah, spicy, sweet sausage flavor 
snack of some sort. It's called it, a roller coaster mini. And aside from that, that's about all I know. Well, wait. So keep holding that up. I, I It says Jack and Jill. There's like a superhero type of thing on it that looks like Robin and there's just a giant, you know, wiener on it. Just like a giant bratwurst, really. And I'm just picturing that there's a giant wiener in that package. Well, I mean, that that's what she said, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but, um, I do know that in Thailand, they have a big street food culture and that like having like a hot, like a sliced up kind of hot dog where they kind of stuff sweet, sticky rice type stuff and then put like some sort of curry or sauce or chili sauce or something on it is a thing. I've never had this. I've never seen anybody have, but I know that exists as a thing. And I'm guessing that this is probably some sort of snack inspired by that high street food of some sort. That looks crazy. You might have outdone yourself, bud. Uh, let's open it up. Open it up. All right. Oh, God. How do you feel right now beforehand? What do you expect? Like when you're, when you're, when you have it in your hand, does it feel like a giant sausage in there or? It feels like mostly air. It feels like it's very air packed here. It's like a pillow almost. So okay. I don't know if this is like one piece of a thing or if it's like, uh, I have no idea. What oh God, I hope it's one piece of a sausage. <laughs> All right, here we go. Oh my oh, God. Okay. Smell it. Smell it. It's, it's, it does have a sausagey smell. It's not, it's not near as like punch you in the face offensive as the previous one we had, but it's like almost, they're like a little, I don't know. It's like a little like round tubular. It almost looks like a pasta. It looks like a yeah, piece of pasta or like a real mini like ring calamari. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I would describe it as. That's a great call. But yeah, so it's... Hmm. They look like dog treats. <laughs> it may be. I have no idea. I mean, I'm assuming this is for human consumption. I don't know officially, well, I guess. Does it say what the ingredients are on the back? Oh God, I'm gonna, I, I don't know. <laughs> Again, I think this is in like, not in English, so I can't tell. <laughs> is the expiration date on it? Is it expired? Oh God. Okay, <laughs> there is a date on here. 24, okay, 2402-22, 2402-23. So, yes, I'm guessing that these are February expired. <laughs> two for two. <laughs> How does this keep happening to you? I would actually look at this before I do this sort of thing. But I just get so excited. It's like, oh, there's something. There's a thing. It's got a there's a giant sausage in a package. Let me have this. I mean... I'm going to assume it's for people because I did find it in an area where it wasn't like surrounded by dog snacks. So I'm going to guess it's like for people, but who knows? I just, but by, by the package, hold up the package. And then hold up like the little snacks to it. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't seeing both of those, it doesn't mix. <laughs> That's what came out of that package. Yeah, it's like little, little bite-sized little snacky things here, like dog treat size, sort of, for if you have a small dog. Yeah, I feel like you can pop these like M&Ms, so, or Percocet. Um, uh, so, how many do you have in your hand right now? Oh, gosh. Uh, a little handful, but I'm going to knock this down to, like, two. Oh, no, right. take a few. Take a few. Pretend they're M&Ms. You get the I'm real like, flavor with a bunch of them. In my okay, hand. good, good, good. Ten of them. Let's try it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Do it. Eat it. And then you're gonna have like, oh god. Okay, here we go. I'm gonna just. All right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So not as bad as the crab chips. Okay. Um, there's some sort of like potatoey. Corn chip. It's kind of a cross between a potato and a corn chip sort of thing. So like a Frito, is there any sausage flavor? Because on the front of that package is a giant sausage. It's, it's, it, there is a sausage. There's like a smoky sort of thing. It's slightly savory. And then like a hint of like, have you ever had like from Canada, the, those ketchup chips? Yes. Yeah. It's kind of like a very faint ketchup chip and a very faint savory note. It's, it's overall... I'm not going to say pleasant, but it's much better than the other thing. I don't feel like this is a punishment like some of the other things that we've discussed before. So, so is it? Are they really crunchy, like hard crunch? Or are they kind of flakier? No, they're really crunchy. I, I I would I would put them almost as like if I didn't know any better, like if I was just visiting and I saw these, I would think that they would be like a little salad topper, something you put on top of a salad, uh, like a croutony type of deal. Oh, okay. No, they, they replace croutons. I, I think you could replace them with, you could replace croutons with these and you'd be okay. Especially if like, you know, you had like a a ranch dressing salad of some sort or something like that. You think you'd be all right. If awesome. Some... Take a, take another little handful there. See if it, if it, for science, for science. All right. It, 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 oh, it doesn't smell great. <laughs> it does not smell great. It, it's again, it's like a weird, like when you open a package of hot dogs and they have the hot dog water in there and you kind of smell that, there's a faint smell of that going on, which is not what I would label as a pleasant smell. Okay. All right, we're going to do that. I'm a big handful. Crunchy is a little better, still the same flavor. Crunchy. The the, the 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 texture is very pleasing. Okay. Um, the flavor's fine. I think the flavor, it, it, the thing I like about the most about it is very mild. I think that if there was more to it, I'd probably like it less. Yeah. So the fact, the, the fact that I would, they're not bland, but bl the blander it is, the more I would like it. I'll put it that way, just because it's not something I would go after. Okay. So... It's called the, the sausage crispy snack. <laughs> I mean, can vegetarians eat this and feel I'm, like they're eating sausage? I'm I have no idea. Again, I'm not sure on an ingredient list here. Oh, I actually see on the package the actual shape of the uh the yeah. snack. I didn't expect that. I thought that was just a thing. Yeah. Uh, and I think 
I think they might be called like roller coasters. I don't know. I don't know, but roller coaster minis or something. Okay. But there you go. So overall, I'm going to say okay. All right. <laughs> scale of one to ten, a five or one to ten. What am I doing? One to five. I want to give this a two. Well, where are the crab snacks at? About a point five. Okay, so this this has doubled, more than doubled. Yes, quadrupled. Yeah, no, much much better. I mean, I I did. I don't feel like I'm going to be. I don't. I don't think I'm going to finish the package. I'm probably going to throw it away. But at the same time, um, try it on some salads. Do you, you eat salads? Do I eat salad? What is this? A, is this a joke about my size, sir? No, I'm just asking. Do you eat salads? Because you mentioned the salad. Of course I enjoy a salad. Okay, you're not going to save that and put it on salads for some croutons? Oh, you get bacon bits and some croutons, you're good to go, buddy. You don't have to worry about that. That's, that, there, that might be it, actually. If you took the smell of bacon bits and kind of shoved it onto a crouton, but less bacony and more hot doggy, we're getting in the <laughs> realm of what we're talking about. <laughs> more hot doggy. I don't know why I like that so much, but more hot doggy is pretty good. I like my salads more hot doggy. <laughs> you need to really like hot dog up your salad a little bit. <laughs> Get some of these. Enjoy yourself. Oh, it's amazing. All right. So we're moving up in the world. You're moving up in the world. Yeah. And then now it's time for you. And what do you got here? Like a Twix bar or some sort of Kit Kat or a delicious peanut butter cup, perhaps, that you're going to enjoy? All right, so I was in the gas station. I was looking around, and I saw this. This caught my eye, and I had never seen this before. And I just think it's kind of wacky, but um, I came across this Lenny and Larry's complete cookie, plant-based proteins. Look at them. Look at them. First of all, Lenny and Larry. Loving it. Loving where they're going here. What's happening there? So I had to look Lenny and Larry up because, like, I imagine what this is, where when I first saw it plant-based, I was like, oh, these are two stoners, you know, looking for healthy cookie life, you know? And so I went and researched Lenny and Larry, and I was very surprised on what I found out. So <laughs> Lenny and Larry in 1993 uh were two gym rats named Benny and Barry and basically they look like you know your early attitude era WWF pro wrestlers <laughs> you know fanny packs yeah big jacked up dudes and uh it's they they started this they wanted something like that was uh, a little healthier and not the same old thing and so in 1994 they started to get out and about and started to do protein bars and stuff like that. And uh, they ended up um, in 1994 going to Whole Foods. I mean, this was back when my bar mitzvah happened. So very uh, early on. And so nowadays they're all over the place. And they, I don't think they look like this. I think this is just a mascot. Uh, but well, first of all, that's Lenny and Larry, right? Because we were talking about Benny and Barry made the company and Lenny and Larry are the mascots. Are that right? Or what's happening? I guess here? so. I could not find a Lenny and Larry. I went to their Instagram and they have like a pretty great Instagram where they have all these celebrities kind of doing stuff, endorsing stuff. So I don't know. And so 
Lenny and Larry. So I turn on the back and I'm looking at it. And if you can see, this has 16 grams of protein. Good God. Um, and the complete package on the back, I don't know if you could see that, but it's kosher, no high fructose corn syrup, no artificial sweeteners, zero sugar alcohols, no soy. I mean, this is like a healthy cookie, allegedly. So I don't know about you, but I like my cookies with fucking butter and sugar and all sorts of stuff. So I'm very leery on this cookie. Don't know what to expect. Very excited for it. Because again, as we kind of just previously discussed, of the two of us, I would call you the bougie one, right? You're the fancy lad, a fancy boy. And even though I'm going to call it, I'm sure that this was not the cheapest cookie in the store. I'm sure that this is almost like a premium level thing that you are a man of sophisticated taste and you you think you have a nice palate. So, well, I think I, that I think this was like three dollars and fifty cents. Okay, so that's a, that's a little up there, but not as expensive as I thought it was going to be. So, yeah, no, I mean, uh, what do you, what are you expecting out of this? Before we open this up, are you expecting to enjoy it or not so much? I'm expecting not to enjoy it because, again, I like my cookies, you know, very, you know, just very savory and sweet with like gooey chocolate. And I feel like with a health one, I'm going to feel or I'm going to get lots of hints of granola-y, you know, stuff like that, like very organic waste type of thing. You know, I'm just like, all right. Yeah. It, well, the <laughs> First of all, I like my cookies savory and sweet is are going to be our new like motto right there. It's like I don't even know what to make. It's a, just put that on a t-shirt. But are you cuz like are the way you were describing it here, it almost sounds like it's going to be dry. Do you, do you anticipate it being dry? Well, I'm feeling it inside and it's not like hard. It's not going to be like a big crunch. There's like it's a little softness, but if you even see like the cookie, it looks like it's been dried out. It doesn't look like those Toll House cookies, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, but it's a big, it's a big man. You know, it's a big cookie. Boy. Now, I mean, and again, is that, is the intention here, does it have like a serving size on the back? Is this like one serving or is it like half a cookie or what does it say in there? Uh, two servings per cookie. So serving size is half a cookie. All right. Now, I say we crack this bad boy open. Let's just yeah. I'm, I'm just looking at the total fat is six grams. No vitamin D in here. Uh, uh, 115 milligrams of sodium, but double that for per cookie. Lots of carbs, some fiber, some sugar. Whew. Okay. Yeah. Let's get into this. Lenny and Larry's. Let's do this. Kind of smells a little, you know, chemically. <laughs> I was expecting this to be very kind of clean smelling. So it has like a slight chemical smell to it. I mean, I can smell the chocolate, but it also kind of has, you know, a chemically smell. Okay. Okay. Well, it's, that's a big cookie. It doesn't look loaded with chocolate like I was hoping for. Right. And it's like very ridged. It's really weird. Yeah, it's very... It's, it looks like a topographic map. Yeah, it's. it's <laughs> you could package one more time to a side by side here because I was expecting more chocolate. I feel like you got a nice chocolatey. Yeah, there one. There's more chocolate on the package, and two, it's distributed a lot better. But okay, right. Okay. It's kind of like that. Um, that casino scene with the blueberry muffins. An equal number of blueberries in every muffin. You know. 
now here when we you're gonna crack this open is that how we're gonna do this i'm just gonna take a big bite out of it can we make sure that we get a bite that has mostly cookie but some chocolate in it right because it feels like you're going very chocolate heavy there and i want to make sure you get a good balance okay it'll do like a little half and half sort of thing you, that's the problem with the distribution here you got to kind of strategically get at this yeah so how where yeah i'll just take a bite out of it all right let's do it yeah. all right here we go oh yeah that's a nice big healthy bite growing boy here okay it looks like it was a nice soft chewy and you see some chewing here doesn't seem crunchy like it broke apart all right so not the best chocolate chip cookie however if you're looking for plant-based proteins it's not bad but it doesn't taste like a real cookie it tastes like health food so let me ask you this then, right? Because here, let's think about this in the concept. Of, whoa, it almost whoa. tastes like you're eating like a chocolate or like a banana almost, like mushy bananas with chocolate in it. It has the texture of a mushy banana with chocolate chips in it? Not a texture, but like the taste. Like if you have like a mushy banana, you know, it's like kind of sugary almost towards the end rather than right. when it's... And then I, I get banana flavors and then a little hint of chocolate. So I'm going to put on my business hat for a second here, right? And so who is this marketed towards is my kind of my question. Now, and how I think about that is in terms of substitutes, especially because you're in a kind of a saturated market here. Is this, it sounds like how you were describing this. If you were going into the store to get a cookie, there's much better cookies, right? That's, that's, would you agree with that statement? Right. Now, let me ask you a follow-up question. If you were going in there to get a protein bar, would you prefer to get this over a protein bar? Probably not. Okay. Um, it's but the they, worst of both <laughs> yeah, best of both worlds. Uh, I'd probably get a protein bar. But this being said, they have so many products that I'm looking at right now, and it's like they have vegan ones. So if you're vegan and you want a cookie, this might be your style. Or if you want something with more protein, do you want something with more crunch? Do you want an Oreo type of thing? Do you want a chocolate covered cookie um or do you want a regular protein bar they have all of that so um vegan and you miss a chocolate chip cookie you can get one of these and scratch that itch maybe i think so um should i do another bite well, yeah yeah you should get a big chocolatey one now get in there and get deep on the chocolate and see if that all helps right. you out there's a big chocolate one right yeah, there get that chunk in there Yeah, he's enjoying it for, for a second here. And keeping in mind, he likes his cookies savory and sweet. <laughs> Get that on a t-shirt. Hashtag cookies savory and sweet. No, no, no. He's got to tell us. Review it now. Review this cookie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, it's, it's uh, okay. That's not a great sign when it's like, I got to have some of your beverage to wash this down with. Yeah, it's very dry. <laughs> um, Did you it drier, or is it just having the second bite really kind of put it out there? I mean, it's it's a dry cookie. When I say savory, oh, oh god, that's a double sipper right there, everybody. <sighs> okay, when I say savory and sweet, 
when I think of savory, I think of buttery. You know, I like my cookies with lots of brown butter and buttery for that little savory. And then lots of little chocolates and morsels, maybe a little bit of peanut butter. And you got that sweetness. That's why I say the savory and sweet. I'm going to say that you like it with like hot dog flavor sort of thing going on here. It's like you, you, this is, this is savory and sweet. This is like hot dogs and ketchup, right? <laughs> I mean, I will say if you take a chocolate chip cookie and you put bacon on it, it's probably going to be amazing. There's your saltiness. There's your savory and sweeter more so than butter. Um, this cookie. Um, yeah, I feel like I prefer my my cookies, if I get them at a gas station with lots of preservatives and corn syrup and sugars, more so, more so than what's in my is it plants? <laughs> it is. It's plants. It's, it's it's kosher plants. Don't worry about it. It's all kosher. <laughs> so yeah, I will say this plant based cookie. Very few crumbles and crumbs falling down. <laughs> well, and again. You know, being that you're a fancy lad, um, you're not going to gas stations to get cookies, right? If you're in a, if you're getting cookies, you generally go to a, either a bakery or one of those. Yeah, stores. I'll go to a bakery. Yeah, and because you have brought in some delectable baked goods before, and I've just, I'm always, you know, anytime if if Brian is a guest, he always comes with a gift, and it's always a very nice little gift it's like you know a little little treat or a little thing but he's he's an excellent guest why thank you sir thank you you're an excellent guest too and we've stayed at each other's places many a times yeah you know i wish i was i'm not as good a host but i'm a great guest <laughs> <laughs> you're the host with the most no so okay now here i got a question for so the cookie was kind of okay but not great and i feel like mine was okay not great now, do you think that you would prefer to switch snacks with me? Because I can tell you now, I'm I'm confident I would enjoy the cookie more than what I have. Um, probably. I would probably switch with you. So we're both switching. And then we both might regret that one day. <laughs> <laughs> we're both going to switch. So yeah, this, uh, I, I feel like the Lenny and Larry's cookie brand for those who are looking for protein positive and vegan healthier snacks at a gas station or even whole foods on the go, I think you would probably like this. Cause it, I mean, I think it is decent for you. If you're looking for high fiber, high protein, there you go. But for me looking just for a cookie that I want sweetness, not for me. Coming home from the gym on the way home, and you, you feel like you need a little sweet treat and you need a vegan, just get grab one of those, but otherwise just skip it. Yeah, as Joaquin Phoenix once did. Mm, mm, mm. So well, there you go. There you go. Snack time with Wide and Brian here on Two Legitimate Podcast. Uh, thank you for your hot dog flavored chips and my <laughs> healthy cookie, which was more like a fucking plant. Yeah, um, we, need, we might have to get back to the rum or the whiskey or something at some point, but we'll see. We'll see. I'm telling you, man, we need to get drunk in the morning. Well, now it's gone from sipping a beverage to let's just start doing shots. Wide. <laughs> <laughs>
Brian. <laughs> let's do this. All right. Let's move on uh with the show right now. Snacks, thanks. Uh watch our YouTube channel. Uh, because we post our snack videos on there. But now we've arrived at our big debate, our big issue of the day. Uh, last episode, we talked about the writer's strike, and that came up a little bit of artificial intelligence and AI, where that is today. And we wanted to talk about AI because AI is a very big topic today. It might arguably be the biggest topic today in culture and in politics and in science. AI. So, AI, what is AI? Artificial intelligence, you probably saw the movie with Haley Joe Osment, directed by Steven Spielberg. You probably saw The Matrix. You probably saw Terminator, Terminator 2. Um, AI, it is, how do you define AI, Wade? You're in the technology space. What do you, how do you define AI? I think, well, first, I'm not the expert in any of this, too. So it's one of those where I just, I do know experts in these fields. And the way that I understand artificial intelligence is basically creating um, software and robots or, or, or non-human things to try and mimic thinking and intellectual processes that a sentient or living thing would do, right? All right, all right. Explain it to me like I'm an idiot. It's basically that you can have, like, for example, you could have, you could make a a a robot with artificial intelligence or software with artificial intelligence, can can process and think about things in a way similar to how some creature would do it or a living thing would do it. And so, for example, <laughs> um, pretend I'm a complete idiot. Give me the very layman terms of it of artificial intelligence. Robot make decision like person. <laughs> okay, good. But it, it because it's really one of those where it's somewhat of an emerging field, and there's still some. Uh, there, there's a lot of different ways that people are approaching this. Some of it is like software based and firmware based and that sort of thing. There's like basic, like if we talk about like Chat GPT, for example, right now, which is kind of the bigger thing that's going on right now. Chat GPT, like if you ask Chat GPT a question. Um, but there's ways that you can ask ChatGPT to provide you with information in a way that gives it better response rates than not. So how you ask the question can really input what you get back. But but what ChatGPT is not a living thing. It's not a thinking thing in that sense. It's like a it's a predictive text sort of uh, robot essentially or software where what it'll do is just it gives you it it. it you ask it a question, and in the context of your question, it will think about, okay, what's the next word that I'm going to provide here to answer that question? And then it provides that word, and then it says, okay, what would be the next word after that? And it just does that over and over again very, very fast. And that's why it kind of writes out text like that. And so what it's doing is essentially scraping the internet for data. And how the software programmers do it is they program different data sets in there. And then it goes through and looks at all that data and then predictive and then it predicts what the next word would be based on using all that data set as a background information and then just kind of gives you one word at a time until it gives you an answer. Okay. So AI is a machine that will evolve and learn and think on its own. 
I mean, in, in, in the sci-fi novels in the future state, that's where this is going. Yes. Today, no. It's not like a thinking sentient thing in that sense. It's where it's um th there's people working on that sort of technology. And like for example, um, you know, uh, Tesla's full driving, full self-driving stuff, it leans on artificial intelligence and computers at their headquarters, because th this takes huge computers and a lot of processing power to do so. And so they have like this big, you know, server and, and big supercomputer back at their headquarters that is processing all this visual data coming in. Like this is one of the examples where artificial intelligence is kind of um, really, th there's a lot of investment in this area is like in the full self-driving and like visual data analyzation where it'll take like video of stuff coming in and it will it will kind of use predictive and and analytics to say okay that's a street light that's a person on a bicycle that's a car it, it it's doing that all in real time very quickly and so to a certain extent it starts to advance out like okay if the car is pointed in that direction that's where it's eventually going to go and try to map out speeds and distances and stopping and it's all doing a lot of things very fast Okay, so where do you think AI was five years ago? Like, because we're, it, this is just a brand, it's not a brand new thing, but it's a brand new thing in culture within the past couple of months. But five years ago, where was AI? Was it even a thing five years ago? It was a thing, but not near where it is today. It's made tremendous leaps and bounds even in the last two years, where, where before chat GPT and GPT-4 came out and some of the other things, um, People, if you would ask some industry folks about where is this at, they would have said like five years out. And then once that hit, they're like, oh man, that's really the gas pedal. It's it's a lot further along than we thought. And there, there becomes a tipping point on some of this development where once you kind of cross over some certain thresholds, things will start accelerating even faster. Right. So where I first came out, when I first learned about like the AI that we kind of know today, like right now, is there were certain applications uh, through Discord or um, Slack, where you could ask this app, this AI bot, um, and you can type in whatever you want. You could say, um, like, Rubik's Cube in hell, or you can say Candyland made by Wes Anderson. And then it would generate images based on what you said, and you can pick one of those or two of those and say, you know, make this photo realistic or make this wavy, and it would do that, you know, and it would do it within, you know, a few seconds. And so now, I guess, with the chat GBT stuff, you could tell it, hey, I want you to write a screenplay based on this in the Star Wars universe, but add Transformers lore to it. And or you can either go the legal route and ask, you know, write a term paper on uh, Roe versus Wade and abortion, add something else to it in the South, and it would turn out a paper on that type of thing. And so where that's going today and the possibilities of the future where does that land humans in the workforce? It's so funny that you brought that up the thing. Can I give you a quick story about something else too? With when you talk about like the law, because like I have some, you know, background in that area too. Recently, um, within the last year, there was a big hubbub in the legal world that kind of popped up because um it, it, it got discovered at some point that 
some lawyers were using chat GPT to create their legal briefs and were submitting them to the court um, for that. And like I said, chat GPT and stuff, it's a predictive text analyzer. It's not actually going through, um, there, there's because I want to kind of separate out for the purpose of this discussion, artificial intelligence and machine learning, that's two different things. But when we're talking about artificial intelligence, what it's doing is it's kind of going through and scraping and, and predicting what the next word should be, right? So keep that in mind. Yeah. It's not actually going and analyzing all the case law of the world, which is something that in down the road, artificial intelligence will be able to do better than humans uh, relatively soon. And just like with medical things, stuff that has huge data sets that currently exist um, in which it has kind of robust sort of background data that it can scrape in order to predict what the next things will be. That Those are the areas that are ripe for AI to kind of go in and kind of do it faster, cleaner, better than people, right? And the law is going to be one of those fields for sure. And people in the legal fields are freaking out a little bit about some of that. But these two lawyers were doing that where they had chat GBT like creating those legal briefs. They submitted it to the court and then the the opposing counsel started saying, hey, some of this case law that your brief is 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 referencing, I can't find it. What is that? Can you can you provide me with some background on that? Because I'm not finding this case that you're referencing. Here, quick uh, a side note. They couldn't find it because that case didn't exist. The fucking thing made it up. But they didn't they didn't want to get caught. So they kind of doubled down to the court. It was like, oh, yeah, no, it's a thing. And they had a thing. And it was like, we'll find this later. Da, da, da. They got ended up, it went all the way through and the court really just slammed them on it in the long run where the judge was like, this is this is ridiculous, unprofessional, they're losing their licenses, they're getting fined a whole bunch of stuff. But but what, it, and, and that brings up whole different realities of the legal profession that's kind of a separate conversation too about, because I kind of understand the why behind what they did, but at the same time, it's bad, it's really bad. And, um, so in the end here, because what it did was it wrote a brief that, especially if you're a lay person, but even some lawyers and some whatever, you could read that thing. And when you read it, it sounds and it looks like a legal brief. But in the end, it's just gibberish because it's referencing things that don't really exist because all it's doing is just predicting what the next word would be. And it was making up cases and references. Which is crazy. So I'm going to add to this. Um, and it made national news this week. Um so we all know uh, Gizmodo io9. Gizmodo io9 is a tech and entertainment website doing movie reviews, video game reviews, tech reviews. It's, you know, it's one of the bigger ones. It started off as a smaller website, independently owned, and then a very big uh, company bought it, uh, Geo Media. And so very recently, Geo media got brand new CEOs um, and um, big, big new CEOs and editorial directors. Um, and these CEOs and editorial directors are just trash. Like they have no idea what they're doing. And so they want to push the AI into the writing world to write articles so they don't have to pay humans to do it. So they did a simple Star Wars article uh, this past week, and it was a story about um, Star Wars movies and TV shows and to rank them. And the result was a, a chronological list of Star Wars movies and TV shows. That was it. 
chat GPT AI messed it up so badly there. It was riddled with tons of errors, um, titles, numbers, um, mentioned uh, mentions of series that were out of place. Uh, all of it was incorrect. And so like io9 and Gizmodo did not know it was happening. This was forced out by the editorial director and the CEO. The editor, like just the main editor and writers did not know this was happening until a couple minutes before it published. So there's a big thing of like everybody apologizing from Gizmodo and and people are up in arms. And so if you start to do this, I'm sure in 10 years, it might be flawless. It might not be, but right now, you need humans to write this stuff, you know? And so a lot of people have been talking about it. What do you think about this? I mean, and it's something as dumb as a Star Wars list that chat GPT, just like, you know, the case that you just referenced, like the two lawyers, the AI making stuff up and getting things wrong. It's funny you said in 10 years, where's it going to be? Um, I'm, I'm completely convinced we're talking less than two. Really? Yeah. Yeah, this is going to happen very, very fast. Oh, God. Because um, there's a whole separate field of like quantum computing going on right now, too. And we can talk about that on a separate side someday, if you'd like. But qu quantum quantum computing is less than five years out from quantum, what's called quantum supremacy, in which quantum computers are going to be able to do a lot of things better than traditional supercomputers today. There's quantum advantage on a lot of different things right now. Some people argue quantum supremacy has already happened in certain instances. I'm less convinced of that. But we're we're heading in that, that direction for sure. And no, when it's... You... Yeah, go ahead. Please. No, I was, I was thinking like, is it really going to be less than two years? Is it really going to be like the MCU, you know, quantum mechanics and futures and stuff like that i mean i can't see that i mean i can i'm the one that says like terminator 2 and matrix will happen i don't know when it will happen but i feel like we're on our way there uh but not within two years you think well if we're talking about writing it yes if we're talking about actually making that as physical di uh, digital media probably less than five where wow. where because i mean when you start looking at some of the stuff the unreal engine is doing too and you start connecting some of those existing tools to it because like right now people are using unreal engine to make movies completely virtually right i mean and it's getting very very difficult i mean they're they're, they're not at photorealism yet but it's getting real close you know it is it is i've you've seen them uh and so I'm I'm curious on where this happens because we know we like to keep it entertainment style here and in regards to movies and TVs, we talked about the writer's strike last time. Where, how do you think AI is going to affect movies and TV? Marvel's already toying with it. If I mean, and again, I think that Marvel's going to be a great ripe area for it. But if you look at what the the series that's out right now, we're halfway through it. It's called Secret Invasion, showing mm -hmm. on Disney Plus. The intro for that thing is completely AI generated, so that the the intro animation kind of credits scene or whatever it is up front. That is all AI generated. And so they're already playing with this today and kind of figuring out how to adapt the technology. I think that there's going to be a place for humans for sure, and especially in the arts and the creative areas. But um, this is this is unusual times, man. I mean, we're at kind of a pivot. It's very interesting times, for sure. We're at a pivot point here where um, 
things are going to necessarily change. And then that's where we start talking about like, you know, it's going to have changes on the economy and how we look at society and culture in general, you know, and, but if we keep it on the media front, yeah. I mean, I think that there's going to be probably within the next five years, um, an AI generated movie Hollywood movie script that will be put out into the world, whether or not that's going to be filmed by people or if it's going to be AI generated, I'm less sure about, but there's absolutely going to be AI scripts within the next couple of years. There's probably some right now that are already working their way through the cycles, but uh, within a couple of years, there'll be some AI thing that's completely AI generated that will be uh, greenlit. I wonder how, cause we'll always want some form of entertainment, but I'm curious on like a backlash of like people boycotting to go see an AI movie. Cause it doesn't, you know, because we're talking then we're talking about humans versus computer. <laughs> like, I want to see a human, you know, worked on movie only, which is crazy. Well, I mean, you know, it's just going to be different, right? Like today, if you look at like music and movies and all that stuff, all our media is digital, right? But there's still people that love vinyl. And there's some people that weirdly love cassette tapes still. I don't fully understand that one, but, you know, good on you. But and people that are looking for, you know, VHS tapes and all sorts of stuff, right? The point being that I don't think it's going to be like a complete transition where everything just disappears before that. But it's going to be a change in how we do stuff. And it's like how people, in the end, technology is a tool, right? These are all, you know, robots, software, it's all tools. So how we harness those tools and it's supposed to make life easier, right? I mean, that's kind of why we make these things like that air travel today is way easier than it used to be and more people are doing it. So it's actually kind of, the more it gets used and produced, the more it can be, you know, you can get mass production and then it gets cheaper and then everybody can harness it, right? Like right. cell phones, you know? I mean, so the thing is, it's like, if you could have something in your phone that can do all the, have all these capabilities. And, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, that's the thing is like where I, I'm not sure where this goes necessarily, but it's going to happen. And so it's like, it's better to say, how do we harness this and really um, make sure that we're doing our best to use it for the forces of good. Right, right, right. And now we're such in the early stages where, you know, humans are working on everything, but then some companies to save a quick dollar want to implore a machine to do it for them. But now we're seeing like there's tons of issues with it and problems. So to me, the biggest concern, and again, I'm not the expert in any of this, but to me, the thing that I'm concerned about is less where we're at today, but more just a few years out where we start creating, like, let's just keep it on the software front. Right. Because you can already do this today with chat GPT is you can have it write code for you. Like, like, hey, can you write this code in Python and then change it over to say, hey, what's an Excel formula to do X, Y, Z? And it will just give it to you. Right. When we start having the AI create AI, that's where it's going to get really concerning to me, because right now there's a level where we don't know how it's doing what it's doing. We know what it's doing, but there's there's some kind of. In, in some respects, there's some middle areas where it gets a little fuzzy about how did it get to that conclusion. That's why, you know, when you'll see like that a few months ago, there was that whole thing where there's an article that came out where one of the chatbots that was built into a search engine like Bing or something started telling some, one of the testers that it was in love with him and 
told him to leave his wife and all that stuff and come with it and all that. And started saying my real name is XYZ and all this crazy stuff, right? And, and there's a whole bunch of interesting background about why we think it was doing that. But to me, that's the less interesting part right now, because there's still some level of confusion on it. But the whole point is, if this starts writing AI software or something like that, then we really will be a level separated from understanding what it's doing and how it's doing it. And let's just assume it writes software better than we do, because I think it will eventually. Then we're not going to know how the cake is made. And then that's where the real Skynet you know, well, Skynet, well, you you see it, you know, even in Iron Man 2 uh, or yeah. Avengers 2 with Ultron, um, where you have Jarvis, Iron Man, Tony Stark's right-hand computer man, and then that AI created another AI type of thing, and it went for evil. Um, you saw it in The Matrix. You saw it in Terminator 2. You know, it's just, there. It, it can be scary. And from what you're talking about, if this AI is working to do all the stuff we tell it to do, but then like in the background, it can start to create its own AI to do whatever it's gonna do and it takes on a life of its own. That's where things get scary. Yeah, well, I mean, and scary in the sense that we don't know how it works fully, right? I mean, cause to me, the more you understand, it's, it's like it's like the big conflict that's going on right now about AI generated or fake deep fakes or fake images or fake audio and all that stuff. Right they're trying to push congress to get and get involved and all that i think in the end it's just the, if there's some sort of baked in technology that says that makes that stamps it so people can know things are a fake it's like that's the that's what we need to get figured out here is like i i don't think that we should say hey stop developing technology but i think that there needs to be labels on things so people fully understand what it is they're using Right. right, because like we have cameras for crimes and stuff. What's to stop an AI or somebody committing a crime for putting somebody else's face over their face and all the cameras catch, you know, an AI generated face over the person's real face? Like, how are we going to distinguish that, you know, at some point in time? Well, there's some stuff that can do that today, right? Right. Deep, all that, right? And it's, I, 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 this is a whole separate conversation that I find very interesting too, because it gets into a whole different philosophical area that we'll have to save for another time but about like, what is a photo? What is, what is right. real what is memory? You know, um, I, I think it's fascinating, you know, that people will, mem memory is very interesting. Hum humans have a high faith in their memory, even though the data clearly shows that people, their memories aren't as good as people think they are. You know? Correct. Correct. So no. I think we're going to get to a point where people will start changing reality to meet their mental expectations. Where it's like, hey, I, I remember, you know, because somebody will misremember something. You know, there's data, there's plenty of data out there where you can look and say, okay, when uh, you know, one of the one of the examples that they still use today that they'll still run tests on is like the Challenger explosion, which happened back in the '80s. And or 9-11 is even a more recent example. So when when the uh, September 11th terrorist attacks hit New York, they were asking uh, college students, like it was a Harvard study, but don't hold me to that, where they were asking the students, OK, like within a week of that event, um, describe the event. You know, where were you? What was going on? What did you see, smell, taste, all, all of your memory? Right. And then they started asking five years out and then 10 years out and kept going on that. And 
And they, there was about, there was over, you know, I think there was over 40%, maybe even up to 60% in certain things. We're remembering completely different fact sets, like 15 years out. And they would show the people, well, this is what you wrote like that week, you know? Mm-hmm. And folks will look at it and say, hey, that is my handwriting, but I don't know why I would lie to you. It was clearly that the car was red that I was in, not blue, like I said in that paper. I don't know why I was lying, but I was lying. And it's in fact, your memory is a reflection of the past, right? And and that they're now remembering it as different than what it was. And they've reconstructed reality in their own brain to the point where I had to have been lying to you for some unknown reason. And I think that when you start to mirror this technology with that, it's going to get real fucked up because then what becomes real and what's not anymore, because then you could just reshape past through video, photo, photo, audio into whatever's going on in your brain. And there's some good with that. There's also some crazy, I don't know what to come of that too. Yeah. So, so with that, with that, with AI becoming a thing, AI into the movies and TV shows, especially in the summer, Let's move on to summer blockbusters. <laughs> what are you most excited about? Is there anything that's getting you all ramped up for the summer? Um, Yeah, there are some pretty cool summer blockbuster movies. I mean, I've seen a couple of them. Uh, I really enjoyed Mission Impossible. You know? I, I, I want to see Mission Impossible. I want to see the... Um... Uh, new Indiana Jones movie. I, I really, I really like that. Um, also, um, I really want so so that that uh, that brings me because we've we've already had quite a few come out already. Um, but I'm I'm really curious on what. What makes a summer blockbuster? Because, you know, ever since the 70s, 80s, 90s, that's what we kind of know with summer blockbuster. I mean, we we have coming out Disney's Haunted Mansion remake. We have another animated Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We have a Gran Turismo um, coming out. We have more... um, We have more superhero films coming out. But... I'm curious where, like with summer blockbusters, um, are the summer blockbusters better now as they were, let's say, in the 80s or 90s? No. Next topic. (laughs) No, I really don't. I think that, you know, overall... I don't know if we're going to get back to the point of event pictures in general, where everybody goes to see things, just because of how people consume media today is so different than it was like, you know, 30 years ago. Right. Um, but, you know, to me, like, again, what Jurassic Park came out in like 93, right? Right. Um, and that was one where when people saw it, they were like, Bro, dinosaurs—they might have actually brought back dinosaurs. It was like you know, it, it, and it's like what you know, because people were just so mind blown by not only the the effects that were in the movie, but the way the story was constructed and the way that it felt big. It felt larger than life, right? And it's one of those where I think that 
I haven't seen a movie capture that feeling in a long time, right? Where, I, I mean, The Matrix kind of did some stuff with that and some other things, but it's like, it's been rare, you know. Well, to, to give you an example, so like, you know, Jaws was a one of the first big summer blockbusters, Jaws. It was took place during the summer. We talked about it last week. That's a big summer movie. And then, of course, E.T. came out in the summer. E.T. was a great big family film. It had adventure. It had kids. Everybody loved it. And then, of course, Jurassic Park. You were saying that Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade and even the Lost Ark are summer movies. Star Wars were summer movies. That was a May thing, Star Wars. And then you had, you know, in the early 2000s, the very first Marvel Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire came out in the summertime. And then you had the Dark Knight trilogy come out during the summertime. Um, You... Terminator 2, Avengers, uh, Top Gun. You have all of these movies. Independence Day, Mad Max Fury Road. These are action-packed PG-13, bring your whole family, watch something fun, blow up, smiles, stuff like that on the show, right? 100%, right? And I think you 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 threw out some great examples, and including some more recent examples. But are, let, let's define this thing a little bit further first, though, right? So when we're saying blockbuster, like, wh- where did that term come from? Can you help so me out with that? The blockbuster, it, 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 it busts ex- expectations. This is supposed to be the big moneymaker for the year of a of a summer. Like we have releases throughout the year. You have your holiday movie, you have your Valentine's movie, you might have a horror movie, some indie stuff, but your summer movie is your blockbuster. It busts through expectation expectations financially and a lot of times critically. Like you you're this is your nest egg right here. You're just like you're making the money with this movie for everything. It was I thought I read somewhere and and I might be wrong, so correct me if I'm wrong too, but where the block part came from was essentially that People were lined up so much that actually wrapped around the corner of the building and went around the block, right? And, right. And- that that was Star Wars. Star Wars 1977 wrapped around the block. People were dying to get in. And so there's my real question for you. If we're going to define this as where's the blockbuster today? Because to have that kind of appeal, one, you're, you're capturing it perfectly. It has to be kind of generally appealable to a large audience. And I think family friendly or PG-13 is how you're going to get closer to there, right? And then two, that it's something that people feel compelled to see to the point where they're willing to stand in line like that. Well, so times have changed. You don't stand in line anymore. You buy your tickets beforehand and pick your seat, your reserve seat. So there's not like a, I mean, even as far as 15 years ago or 20 years ago when Lord of the Rings was being released, they weren't doing assigned seats. I remember every Lord of the Rings movie, every Matrix movie, I was waiting eight hours in line with 300, 500 people. And we were talking, you know, we were waiting that long to go see a movie. Now, nobody waits in line. It's, I picked my seat. That's the reserve seat. I'm going to show up five minutes beforehand. We sit down. Okay. And so... It's it's sitting in a packed theater kind of gives me anxiety now. It might mm-hmm. have when I was younger too, but it definitely does today. And so I'm so maybe we redefine it a little bit about what's a movie that you're willing to sit where you're willing to book a ticket. Let's just say that there's two seats that are in in kind of the middle of the area, sort of that is, and the rest of the theater is completely booked. 
So is there a movie today where you're like, okay, I'm going to be in a room with 500 people and I'm going to be crammed into these two spots here, but this is a movie worthy of me going and buying those two tickets. I'm going to book it. Yes, of um, course. I, what, what would that be? Because I'm trying to kind of work through in my head. It's like, would I do this for Mission Impossible? It's like, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. So I would say yes for Mission Impossible. There's one on the list. So like even like movies like Speed was um, an action-packed summer blockbuster. But as of today, if there's one today that I haven't seen yet, that's not out yet. Mission Impossible comes out next week. Um, and I highly recommend it. It was shot in IMAX. It was shot. I mean, it, this movie is really fun and pretty good. It, it defines the summer blockbuster, but the mm. ones that are today, mostly today, the one that I would sit in that theater, 500 people in the center crowded. And there's two movies releasing in two weeks on the same day virtually opposite of each other that don't define summer blockbusters. And that's where we're going to talk about. And that is Barbie. And that is Oppenheimer, not summer blockbusters by definition at all, but you have Christopher Nolan who did the dark Knight trilogy inception, the prestige tenant. He has made this three hour, very dense drama about the guy who created the atom bomb. On the upside, on the flip side of that, you have this sparkly, pink, amazing comedy, wacky Barbie live action movie with Will Ferrell and Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling releasing in the height in the middle of summer, not summer blockbusters. However, I do believe these two movies are going to be the biggest money makers sans maybe Super Mario Brothers. Um, maybe Mission Impossible, we'll see. But they're both of those movies, Barbie and Oppenheimer, are being released same day. It's crazy. And those are not summer blockbusters. They're, they're not. And so that movie, Oppenheimer, I will see in a theater full of people in the center because it is going to be shown in 80 theaters across the US, one of them being in Dallas in 70 millimeter. That happens once every few years. And I mean, I'm trying to remember even the last time I did that. It might have been a Tarantino movie. Um and, or something, right? Right. So I'm I would go see that. I mean, I'm lucky enough to go to a press screening early to go see it uh with just the press, but that would be one I would pay for because that movie is going to cost $25, $35 a ticket. But you're seeing it at 70 millimeter, you're seeing it in IMAX, it's going to be epic. I don't know about the story-wise of it, but visually is going to be amazing. Barbie, on the other hand, looks like a bowl of crazy fun that I'm all up for. But again, not action-packed, nothing. This is a Barbie movie. This, why would you, maybe you release this in Christmas. Maybe you would release this at the beginning of the year. No, height of summer. So I ask you, Wade, what, what do you think about that? To me, like, I think what your analysis is is fantastic. I love I love that, and I love where your where your head's at. To me, like Barbie sounds like cotton candy, where it's just very empty calories. And as soon as you you're done with the movie, um, you're you're gonna kind of I I I can't imagine that it's gonna stay with anyone, right? That it's like I'm gonna carry this these. It's gonna change me, and I'm gonna think about this in a different. way. I'm sure it's gonna be fun, and it's gonna be fun for the family and. 
you know, um, there's going to be a lot of appeal to that. I, I think Oppenheimer is the opposite, where it's going to be like super dense, really difficult to get through. I've been hearing some people that went and saw some early cuts of it that said they came out of the movie and it really fucked them up, right? Like at the end of the movie, they were coming out and being like, oh, this is this is really kind of messed with me. And I find that fascinating because one, I mean, Christopher Nolan, I'm in, right? It's like, I'm whatever he makes, it's like, okay, I'm in and see it. Especially this one, I, it's worthy to go to the theater again because you highlighted um, that I, I think that the impact of seeing some of this imagery on the biggest screen possible is going to have much more effect than watching it at home and like emotionally and physically and all of that. So that's what I'm going to try and see if I can. But um, I'm not the audience for Barbie. So if, if I'm not, I'm trying my best to not be critical of it. I get it. I get why people would want to go see it. Um, well, it's an Oscar winning director and writer, Greta Gerwig, Noah Baumbach, her husband is has helped write it. And you have these A-list actors. It's live action. Um, it's it's going to be good. I imagine. I think it's going to be silly. I think it's going to be super funny, but I think it's going to be poignant and amazing. I want to see that. Um, so yeah, there you go. I'm confident it's going to be fun. And I'm also confident like most of the Pixar type movies and other animated movies today, that there's going to be jokes in there that are intended for the grownups too. Right. Where it's going to be like, Oh, Hey, I get it. Like probably some, you know, gender jokes or some sort of other thing in there that's, that's going to kind of go over a kid's head but the adults are going to be like ah, i got what you're doing there you know and and so i'm sure it's going to be fun and i'm confident that and i hope it does well because again just in general people going to movies and having that communal experience and people laughing in a room together can't be underrated you know and going to get the popcorn doing the whole thing and kind of supporting local community stuff that's great um Again, though, I, you know, I, it's one of those where I'm excited to he see and hear your review on it for sure. Right. No, I'm excited to see it, too. Uh, but summer blockbusters. Yes, you still have your Fast and the Furious that come out during the summer. Yes, you have Mission Impossibles. But the big summer blockbuster this year is a dense rated R movie about the atomic bomb period piece. And then Barbie, <clears throat> not your typical ones. You think so going to kind of. Because like you were saying, like, you think the ticket sales for Oppenheimer are going to exceed like Mission Impossible or something? I don't know. I mean, you have because Mission Impossible IMAX right now. Mission Impossible is two hours and 40 minutes. Oppenheimer's three hours. Um, it very well could be. I don't know. Um, it It's all, you know, it's all subjective in what people are going to love. Mission Impossible is more accessible. It's PG-13. It's Tom Cruise. It's action. You get what you want. Christopher Nolan, on the other hand, Tenet, no. I mean, some people like Tenet. Most people didn't. Uh, this is more of a narrative uh, piece than Tenet was. So I don't know. I feel like a lot of times if you're not in an already established IP or superhero or, you know, $5 million horror, you're not going to make a lot of money back. Um, so I hope Oppenheimer does well. I hope Barbie does well, but who knows? I think 
it, it's crazy to release them on the same day, but hopefully people will do a double feature. I mean, a lot of people won't be able to because they'll be too young. You'll go see Barbie, but then you can't get into the rated R Oppenheimer. And which one do you see first? Which one do you see last? Because Barbie is an hour and going to be an hour and 50 minutes. So it's almost two hours. And Oppenheimer is three hours long. So it's it's going to be crazy. I I feel like if Barbie is good, if Barbie is good, not just visually, but if it has any inkling of great story and performances, I think this will have a Titanic effect. Like, I think people will go see this multiple times. Barbie, they will see it multiple, multiple, multiple times. Oppenheimer, not so much. Um, because why do you want to sit through a dense, dreaded three-hour drama? Sometimes I do. Um, but we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. I... I think you captured it perfectly. I, I I love Christopher Nolan, by the way, and I thought I I was a big fan of Tenet, but I get why people didn't like it too. But I have a feeling here with this Oppenheimer, this is one of those I'm going to see it once, ever in my life, because there's a few movies where I've only seen them once and I don't need to revisit it, and I have a feeling that this is kind of getting into that flavor a little bit, even though almost every Nolan movie I have to watch a few times, but this one. It's one of the reasons that it's driving me to the theater is because just in case I do only see this once, I want to make it the 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 biggest experience I can. And right. that's what I'm kind of driving that direction. Yeah, try that. So summer movies, blockbusters, I'm sure we are going to talk about Barbie and Oppenheimer more closer to its release date. Uh, but let's move on. Um, let's do a film, a TV show that we want people that we've been catching up on and stuff like that. Anything you're watching right now from last week that you want to tell people about? I'm still trying to kind of catch up on some stuff. I, I, you know, I got some things in the queue that I'm trying to kind of catch up on right now. So uh, I don't know if I have anything good enough to give somebody, but again, that's why I'm looking at you, my pro, my expert, my, my confidant. You're a, your expert, your expert, your 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 cinematic aficionado here, sir. It's 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 what I it's what I lean on you for. It's like you know because you you got you're the you're the man with the finger on the pulse. There you go. So, two things. Um, there's a movie called Outlaws coming out, um, on Netflix, and it's a movie with Adam Devine. You know the guys from Workaholics, and it has Ellen Barkin and Pierce Brosnan in it, and it's a comedy action movie. It's by the numbers, by the book, action comedy. Is it okay? It's okay, serviceable. It's one of those things you could have on on a slow night. Don't have to really pay attention to it. You might get a chuckle out of it. It's not great. But you can do that. That's what I'm watching. Also, for those of you in the early 2000s, late 90s, ever watched a season of a TV show called Clone High? It was an animated series by Phil and Chris, Christopher Miller, Philip Lord, who did Lego Movie and everything else uh, good. Um, they started with this show, uh, Clone High, about a mad scientist who created clones from history, put them in high school, present day. It was amazing. It lasted one season, but it was amazing. They brought it back a month ago on HBO Max for a new season, and it is pretty incredible. Uh, it's really funny. Same writers, same voice actors. They all came back, uh, minus one character who at the time was very controversial, but they make reference to him. Uh, but it's really good. 
go check out on Max um, the new season and even the old season of um, Clone High. All right. Clone High and Outlaws. I love it. Do it. Yeah, do that. Um, Our last segment, excuse me, our last segment on the Too Legitimate podcast uh, the filtered signal, you know, our suggestion, something obscure from film, TV, music uh, that we want to suggest to you. So please, everybody, please, 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 please take heed in what Wade has to say. What you got to say, bud? Everybody listen up for a second. I got something for you. And it's actually, uh, it, it actually transitioned a little bit. I can actually make this a combo platter with what we were just talking about. It's something to catch that's currently out right now. I can't remember what what app it's on, so I might need your help here, Brian, real fast. But uh, the show Jury Duty. Um, okay, yeah, show Jury Duty. I've seen it. Uh, not a lot of people have heard about it, but oh my goodness! What is it on Hulu, Roku, something like that? It's it's, it's Hulu. It's on Hulu. So check out Jury Duty on Hulu, which is kind of like a it's a scripted reality show where where basically everybody is an actor except for one person. In it, and it's this whole jury where there's this crazy court case, and it just keeps getting wackier and wackier. And it's really all centered around how this one person reacts. Yeah. So, so basically, jury duty is created by the guys and girls who created The Office with, mm-hmm. you know, Steve Carell. And it's filmed like The Office, but with The Office, like a mockumentary, but with The Office. The caveat here is that there's one person in the show who's a regular person does not know they're making like a TV show, but they see them, the documentary cameras. And so everybody kind of acts around him and it's during a court case. And it's like a brilliant, uh, it's brilliant. It's, it's, it's so fun and so funny. And that's going to take me to my filtered signal pick too of, to me, when I watched this, it reminded me so much of the Joe Schmo show, which is kind of what I would call the OG of this concept, where it goes back to instead of doing a, a, a reality courtroom sort of mockumentary here, they were making a game show, like one of these reality TV game shows. Mm-hmm. And the Joe Schmo show was basically Joe Schmo was just this one dude named Matt, and he was earnestly on this reality tv show trying to win the game as it were and everybody else was an actor and this was so long ago that like Kristen wig was on the show she was one of the actors on the show that was pretending to be a contestant and but you know nobody knew who she was right and there's other folks that are on the show like that too like the guy that plays rickety cricket on always sunny and some other folks too so if i would say my filtered signal is go back and check out joe schmo show and something that's a little bit easier to find and more kind of accessible right now. If you have Hulu, go check out Jury Duty. There you go. But both great, great uh, suggestions. Um, my unfiltered signal pick, the one that you might have not heard of, but you should absolutely go check out, um, is a movie called Deadstream. Oh. Movie called Deadstream. It's currently on Shutter. S H U D D E R Shutter. It's the horror um, movie app, TV show app that you can uh, subscribe to. But it's called Deadstream. It came out a year ago. It's finally getting released on Blu-ray, Steelbook. So Deadstream, 
when you hear the title, you're like, okay, dead stream. Is it like a body of water, like a stream, or is it like live stream, but the opposite of that of a, you know, a YouTube live stream? It's the latter. It is a YouTuber. It is a famous YouTuber, uh, similar to, let's say, Mr. Beast or PewDiePie, um, who, like a lot of these former streamers or streamers, at one point in time got canceled because they said something wrong. They did something that the uh, their audience didn't like. They got canceled. So in this movie, Deadstream, there is a guy who's a big YouTuber doing crazy stunts. He got canceled, and his comeback thing to get his sponsors back and everything is to spend the night in a haunted house and all hell breaks loose. And it is fantastically funny and scary uh, because the people that made this movie, the director is a husband and wife and the husband is the main star of this movie. And they get it so right on the nose with all the comedic, things that a YouTuber would do in such a situation. It's brilliant. And it's filmed from his perspective. So he like it's filmed through like all of his little cameras that he places up. And you can even see like his chat going down the screen, which is I need to watch it again because the chat is unbelievably funny. Uh, it's scary. This movie at one point takes a turn and you're just like, Oh God. And meanwhile, the kind of, parallels and the kind of poignant issues of the comedy that's going on with this movie the youtuber continues to be a youtuber through all of this horror going on with him and it's actually really good um gonna be having these filmmakers on the podcast later on uh this coming week so we'll get back to you on that but uh yeah deadstream is the one to do funny horror breath of fresh air you probably didn't hear of it deadstream on shutter i haven't heard of it and i am excited it's like one of those where again horror is not my jam per se but this is one of those where you piqued my interest enough where i gotta go check this out on shutter Right. So I know I know you enjoy like the YouTube stuff and you yes. are going to die laughing because all the references and all the stuff that's happening is you're just going to laugh. And like this guy is charismatic, but he's also like a dick. Uh, it's it's pretty funny. I, I really liked it. That's awesome. I love it. So, yeah, two legitimate podcasts wide and Brian here. Uh Find Wade. He's online somewhere. He's not. Find me. Well, if you see him in Seattle, buy him a beer and buy him a snack. He'll eat it. Yeah, buy, buy me a beer next time we're out. Let's go do that. No, we need to come up with some sort of catchphrase as a closer here. So let's work on that. We'll come up with a, it's like, it's been too legit and we're out. Or, you know, I don't know. That That's that's terrible. Let's not do that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll think about it. But uh, I'm Brian legit. Kluger. Yeah, yeah, we'll do it. Well, I'm, I'm Brian Kluger. You can find me at highdefdigest.com, boomstickcomics.com. I'm Brian Kluger on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, I'm on TikTok. Find me at My Bloody Podcast, No BS with Brian and Susan, Fear and Loathing in Cinema. And you can also find me on Wednesdays, noon till two, on Electromagnetic Radio Soundtracks Radio. So uh, come. Cinema. Yeah, the, the cinema. The cinema. So we'll see you soon. Love you all. Thank you for listening. Bye.